You're listening to a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We rely on the financial support of listeners like yourself to keep going. If you'd like to support diverse voices on your radio, go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Stay tuned to hear the rest of your 3CR podcast. Evil minds that plot destruction Sorcerer of death's construction In the fields of bodies burning As the war machine keeps turning Death and hatred to mankind Poisoning their brainwashed minds Welcome to the Anarchist World This Week, broadcast across Australia on the National Community radio satellite. Listen to the Anarchist Woolless Week, Australia's sacred cow slaughterhouse. Listen to analysis of local, national, international events. Listen to analysis you'll never hear anywhere else. Welcome to the Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia via the Community Radio Network. This program is streaming live on 3cr.org.au. The program is podcast. You can access the podcast by going to 3cr.org.au. My name is Joseph Toscano. I'm hosting the Anarchist World this week, which I've hosted in various guises for the last 43 years, which makes me feel old. They tell me, if you're old, you're wise. Well, you never know. Maybe I am wise. Maybe I'm not. That's for you to decide. There'll be a little bit of throat clearing. No, it's not coronavirus. I've got some food stuck in my back of my neck. No, I don't need you to come around and give me a Valsalva manoeuvre. Okay? All right. So what's anarchy? Anarchos without rulers. It's about the struggle to create a society without Rulers, not without leaders, not without rules, without rulers. What gives rulers the ability to dictate your life, dictate the lives of hundreds of millions, inequalities in power and wealth? So the anarchist struggle is the struggle to share wealth and share power. So if you are involved in a struggle about sharing power and wealth, whether you like it or not, you're an anarchist. Now, it's an interesting Week, exceptionally interesting week. Well, every week is interesting when you're my age because uh, maybe you last, you never know. But every week is interesting. But what I'd like to do today is have a little, go for a journey. I've got a little line here, all right? And I want to join some dots. So my late wife, Ellen Jose, used to say to me when she was about to do one of her little masterpieces, she'd say, look, I'm taking a line for a walk. And she was talking about, obviously, a pencil or a pen or whatever, or a brush. She was taking a line for a walk. Well, we're going to take an intellectual line for a walk today. Because, unfortunately, as far as uh, society is concerned, we tend to look at issues separately. Somehow we don't think to believe there's any connection. Or I'm sure you believe there's a connection. And I'm not talking about a supernatural connection. But there's a, there are connections, and there are very, and people's, uh, what they want, their responses, how they act, to a large degree, 
is determined by these spots and lines which uh, join up these spots. Now, I'm going to raise a number of issues, and then we're going to try to join them together, just like a nice little crocheted jumper for the forthcoming winter. Not that anybody wears crocheted jumpers these days. I want to talk about superannuation. I want to talk about average wage of the top 100 company CEOs, average wage of the Australian worker, funding for the last federal election, uh, the uh, reaction to the uh, bushfires, especially in south, uh, southern southeast Australia. I want to talk about the 1.9 million temporary workers we have in this country. And I want to talk about the demise of the trade union movement and try to link them all together. At the same time, obviously, we'll be making a few intelligent quips about Jingle Boys, Scotty from Advertising. I notice that the word for the week is resilience. Resilience. I bet you he's got a pocket full of words for the next 50 weeks, Scotty from Advertising. This week it's resilience. And before I start joining the lines, I, I really must congratulate the federal government on actually being able to sideball an exceptionally important issue. And um, I like the way they work because these people are devious. I've always said they're devious, but they're also smart. Let's give them their uh, just... Let's, they're smart, they're smart. Now, I heard in the last few hours that the... Prime Minister and the Cabinet have agreed to set up a permanent standing committee into servicemen and women suicides in this country. And everybody's saying, oh, isn't this good? Isn't this good? And I was interested to see the logic behind this because, see, they don't want a Royal Commission. I mean, a Royal Commissioner may have suggested... Uh, the establishment of a permanent commission with Royal Commission-like powers. But what they don't want is return servicemen and women to openly testify in an open forum where they cannot be sued for what they say. And that's the protection a Royal Commission gives people who have the ability to actually give evidence at a Royal Commission. The government does not want you to hear the stories from former servicemen and women who have been mutilated by the system. It doesn't want you to hear the stories of the families and friends of men and women in the armed forces who have committed suicide. It doesn't want you to hear those stories in an open forum where ordinary people and organisations which represent these people, organisations which are not funded by government, organisations which are based on a cooperative basis where people with similar problems come together, affinity groups of ex service men and women, they do not want you to hear their testimony. So what do they do? They bypass the idea of having an open royal commission and set up a standing commission 
who will look at the 400-plus suicides that have occurred, 419 to be exact, that have occurred among military men and women over the past two decades. So don't be deceived. Everybody thinks this is a great thing. It is not a great thing. And I can assure you many ex-servicemen and women, and some I have contact with, will tell you that this is an attempt to remove their voice, to put their stories, as we saw with the Royal Commission into Institutional Child Abuse, to put, as we saw in the Banking Royal Commission, to put their stories before you, the Australian public, without them being censored by some committee established by government. You listen to The Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia by the Community Radio Network. This program is streaming live on 3cr.org.au. My name is Joseph Toscano. Talking about contempt, parliamentary contempt for the Australian people. Yesterday, Tuesday the 4th of February, was supposed to be a day when Parliament expressed, parliamentarians were able to express their condolences to the 33 people who've died during the current bushfire emergency and the 3,300 families have lost their homes and the tens of thousands who've been touched, if not hundreds of thousands, that have been touched by this catastrophe. So what do the parliamentarians do? Especially the agribusiness party masquerading as the National Party. What do they do? What do they do? They have a leadership spill on the very day. Barnaby Joyce could not contain his ambition. Instead of waiting a day or two for a leadership spill on the exact day that had been set aside in the Australian Parliament for parliamentarians to offer their condolences to the families and people affected by the bushfires this season. Not only are they paid for it, because obviously it was a work day for them, it was a parliamentary day, unlike the volunteers who've given hundreds of thousands, millions of hours of their time trying to contain these bushfires, they heap contempt, they show their contempt, especially the agribusiness party, the party that represents agribusiness in this country, not regional Australia, not rural Australia, but the agribusiness party, the coal party, the corporate farming party, the National Party, were out there knifing themselves in the back on that very day that had been set aside in the House of Representatives and the Senate for parliamentarians to be able to thank those people who had given their all to protect their communities and to offer those their condolences and their support to those people who'd lost everything and those who had lost their lives as well as their properties. 
What an extraordinarily inane, stupid, ignorant group of people the Agribusiness Party is. It is to the Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia via the Community Radio Network. Now we've got let's look at these dots. There's about twelve point five million Australians, which is about half the population, involved in the paid workforce. About twelve point five million. Of those 12.5 million, there is 1.9 million temporary workers in this country. Think about it. One in seven Australians are here. Australian workers are temporary workers on here on a multitude of visas. Now, a lot of Australians who find themselves out of work, who find themselves in poorly paid jobs, who find themselves having to compete with this non-unionised labour force, tend to direct their odium and their hatred at these temporary workers. Now, look, I don't blame the temporary workers. If you're living somewhere else and the government of the day is offering you a legal entry, legal entry into this country to undercut wages and undercut conditions. It's not your fault that you apply to look after your family in some godforsaken spot in the universe. The fact there are 1.9 million temporary workers in this country is a direct result of government policy. And it's a direct, you know, so the people here doing that work are not those that should be blamed for the situation. It's excessive governments who have allowed this situation to occur. And they have allowed this situation to occur for one very good reason. To keep a lid on wages and to destroy the ability of the trade union movement to actually assist its members because there's a large pool of non-unionised temporary labour which is willing to undercut award wages. End of story. It's not the fault of the temporary workers because most of these temporary workers are basically here as a result of uh, groups that exploit them, that charge them for getting their little visas to get here. They charge them for accommodation, which is substandard. They charge inordinate interest rates, which force people to be involved in this type of labour. Now, this is a direct result of deregulation, which is one of the pillars of what's described as neoliberalism. And the other three pillars, as you know, are corporatisation globalisation and privatisation. Think about it. That's one dot. Then we've got the next dot. The top 100 companies in this country, and I don't mean top in terms of service, but in terms of size and turnover. The average wage of a CEO 
chief executive officer. I'm not talking about all the other underlings on there, but the average wage is $5.6 million per year. Now, I'm getting a little bit long in the tooth, and I wouldn't mind being a CEO of some company that, you know, if I was going to get $5.6 million, that's $5.6 million per year. Okay? Now, my maths are pretty pathetic, but if I estimate it, that, that would be maybe about $6,000 a day. So in three days, you could earn as much as somebody on a new start allowance has to survive on for a year. Was it two days? So $5.6 million, that's the average. Obviously, some get 10 and some get 2. That's the average. Now, the average Australian wage is $85,000 per year. Some people get a half a million. Some people get 40000 But the average is $85 million per year. So keep that figure in your, do- in your head, okay? Now, most of these companies are publicly listed. What that means is that they raise capital from via the stock market. So they're publicly listed. That's all it means is they raise their capital, private capital for private profit on an open market, the stock market. Now, so we've got average workers earning $85,000 per year, new start allowance earning maybe 10000 a year, and uh, CEOs of the top 100 companies in terms of turnover, not morality, ethics, or their, uh, you know, babying the law is 5.6 million. Now, there's three, tr- now, next, next little dot. $3 trillion in Australian super funds. 40% of trading, which occurs on the Australian stock market, is carried out by super funds. That's funds that have your retirement money, if you're lucky enough to be working and have a super fund. Right? Think about it. There's a dot. So 40%, 40 cents in every dollar traded on the stock market today, whether it goes up or down, doesn't matter, will be super fund money. And super fund money is the money of ordinary Australian workers. And half of this money is in uh, industry-based funds. There are significant proportions of industry-based funds. So super funds have an extraordinary amount of power in terms of regulating the behaviour of corporations because they need that capital in order to expand and survive. Think about it, okay? Another dot. At the same time, we saw an election in May last year And eight months after the election, we've got a little bit of information regarding funding. Now, remember, everybody will tell you it's the trade unions and the Labor Party which get all the money. 
when you looked at the funding, the funding to the Liberal National Party, they had 41% of the funding went to the Liberal National Party, obviously from their corporate mates. The ALP had 28% of funding and the Palmer Disunited Party, which is now dissolved, had 21%. That's $84 million. So you had approximately the war chest of the Liberal National Party and the Palmer United Party, or Disunited Party, was almost three times the war chest of the Australian Labor Party. And when you looked at the individual trade union contributions, we were always told the CFM, MEU, had, you know, bankrolls the RP. Well, a lot of garbage. The largest, the largest donation to the ALP campaign from, was from the Electrical Trade Union, which was $1.2 million. So, let's join the dots. It's only a few dots. Let's join the dots. Here we have 1.9 million temporary workers and their major reason, their contribution is to push down wages, remove conditions, de-unionise the trade union de-unionise the Australian Labor Force. That's the main reason these visas are extended. Increasing profitabilities of these major corporations. When you look at the major corporations, and as I said, average salary of a CEO is $5.6 million. Average salary of an Australian worker, $85,000. Forty cents in every dollar spent in the Australian stock market today and tomorrow, and a little bit more the day after, is from Australian super funds. So why are Australian super funds, half of which these funds, about $1.5 trillion, rest in the hands of uh, industry-based funds, why do they tolerate this inequality in wages. Why do they tolerate it? They have real power. The number of, you know, they've got what was called capitalist democracy in a publicly listed company. The more shares you own, the more votes you have. They could do something about these excessively, these gross... CEO salaries today by threatening to divest themselves. That means, a simple way of saying, not investing in these corporations which pay these outrageous salaries. People say, well, you need to pay these outrageous salaries to run a company. Look, I'm happy to run a company for $2 million. Give me a call. I'll donate the money. Give me a call. You don't need to be a genius who gets $6,000 a day 
to actually run, you know, one of these companies. You've got secretaries, you've got a board, you've got junior executives, you've got workers. Come on, give me a break. So, and then look at the, the election result. All based on a whole series of lies. Look at the 100 million which was used, and I'll talk, that's a separate issue, but 100 million which was used to influence electors at a grassroots level to change their vote. Look at the advertising from the Palmer Disunited Party, the Liberal National Party, the dishonesty in the advertising. Well, people were talking about deaf duties. They were talking about the fact that everybody was going to lose their franking credits. And obviously, <clears throat> you can't do that amount of advertising without the resources. And what we've seen as the last election is the resources which were pushed into the Liberal National Party and their uh, agenda to continue to keep those in power in power and to continue to ensure the profitability of major corporations continues to rise at the expense of the Australian people. Just an extraordinary situation. So let's not forget. When you see some poor temporary worker on a building site or on a farm or in a service station or in some cafe or a shop, they're not the problem. The problem is governments and normally conservative governments which are willing to pauperise their own people, which are willing to de-skill their own people, which are willing to denigrate their own people, especially those people on social security benefits and wage and low wage workers on a consistent level who are willing to do that in order to increase the profits of mainly transnational international corporations. That's the issue. The issue is there is hardly anybody in Parliament who is there to protect the interests of working Australians of Australians on social security benefits. They are there to protect the interests of that small section of society that owns the means of production, distribution, exchange and communication. And if you think I'm fudging the fig figures, I'm happy for you to look at them again. All right? All right, let's look at the Mackenzie rort. Look... Madam Mackenzie fell on her sword. Well, obviously, she's been told that sooner or later she'll be back in Cabinet. Now, the Prime Minister... Look, Scotty from Advertising, Jingle Boy, he's a very smart cookie. Very smart cookie. Very devious cookie. There's nothing more devious than somebody who uses their religion to uh, justify their existence. Devious little cookie. Now, the Auditor-General, who's responsible to Parliament, he or she is responsible, and currently to he, they're responsible to the Parliament of the country. 
They're there to ensure that the government of the day does not rot the system. All right? That's their job. They don't care who's in power. Their job is to make sure the money is used in the right way, that it's not siphoned off. All right? That's the Auditor General. That's their role. That's been their role traditionally. They're not responsible to the government of the day. They're responsible to the Parliament as a whole. The House of Representatives, the Senate. That's their responsibility. Okay? Now, the Auditor General said in his report, and it is a his at the minute, he said in his report, look, this smells. Not only is this unethical and immoral, it could possibly be illegal. This is not a good look to spread around $100 million to your mates in marginal seats just before the election in, a, in order to buy an election victory, okay? Not a good look. So Scotty from Advertising, Jingle Boy, Jingle Boy, resilience is the word of the week. <laughs> I'll tell you the next year if I survive the bloody year. Every week I'll find out what Jingle Boy's jingle is going to be for the week. But it's resilience this week, right? Jingle Boy. Scotty from Advertising, okay? Good boy. The good boy. Scotty from Advertising, you know, worked his way up from the from the, <laughs> from the postal room. They don't have one anymore, do they? It's all internet. But that's a different story, okay? Jingle Boy, okay? He says, I'll... I'll organise an independent investigation. An independent investigation to the Auditor General? Come on, give me a break. So he says, mm, who will I find? Who will I pick? So he put, picks his former chief of staff, who is now head of a government department, to run this independent investigation. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine that? And the boy does his work. He does his work. He's an honest man. They're all honest. You've got to remember that. Everybody is honest. Except me and you. We're just garbage, right? But they're honest, okay? And he says, well, let's ignore the Auditor General. What does he know? He's only there to protect the interests of the Australian taxpayer, the Australian people in the parliament. What does he know? He says, you know, Bridgie, she was a bad girl. She was a bad girl. She didn't tell us that she was a member of this club, shooting club. They've got a grant. So she should go. Aye. 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 <laughs> I think they must think we're idiots. Oh, no, no. They don't think we're idiots. They know we're idiots. Because as the 24-hour news cycle rolls over, it, it, it's fascinating. All right? Hey, I said, excuse me. Excuse me, I said. Not that anybody listens to me except people like you. I said, excuse me, excuse me, brother, excuse me, sister. What do you mean? Well, everything else was all right. The rest was above board. Didn't matter that all this money was given to marginal electorates. You know, didn't matter. It's all right. Didn't matter that all the guidelines were uh, broken. Didn't matter. It's just the fact that she didn't tell us. So what does this do? And this is what I like about Scotty from Advertising Jingle Boy. He's such a smart little boy. What it means is that he is let off the hook. That his cabinet is let off the hook. Obviously they all knew what was going on. 
And obviously Bridget's been asked to fall on her sword, which is the old good old Roman way of killing yourself if you lost a battle. Fall on her sword metaphorically, because she will rise again like a phoenix from the dust into cabinet. For the good of the for the good of the team. They hope that you'll forget. Well, hopefully you won't forget. What's the point of having an order general if you're going to have an independent investigation headed by a mate? Come on. Really? So that's two, two things this week. Scotty from advertising, Jingle Boys got away with. One, refused to ro- call a royal commission into the deaths, the suicides of servicemen and women, and ex-servicemen and women over the last two decades. And two getting himself off the hook as far as the uh, 100 million uh, sporting fiasco is concerned. Ten points, boy. Gold star, Ryan Ostra stamp, elephant stamp. Scotty from Advertising Jingle Boy, you've done it again. As they say, you can fool most of the people some of the time, but not all of the people all of the time, and you're not going to fool these bunnies listening to the anarchist world this week. Now, have you heard the joke about the Jew, the Muslim and the Christian? Now, when I was contacted by a friend 24 hours ago regarding a meeting that was held by in uh, Entebbe in Uganda, I couldn't believe it. The sons of Abraham had got back together again. That great split between the Christian, the Jews, the Christians and the Muslims had been healed. Because you won't believe this. President Al-Bohan, who is the head of the Sudanese military, which is obviously providing the ground troops in uh, Yemen for Saudi Arabia, and head of the current interim Sudan Military Council, that's President Al-Bohan, and Israeli President Benjamin Netanyahu, and the President of Uganda, your Mozifini, had a little secret meeting at Entebbe two days ago. Monday, the 3rd of February, 2020. Well, well, well. That's the joke about the the Jew, the Christian and the Muslim. Al-Bohan, Muslim. Your Mosifini, Christian. Benjamin Netanyahu, Jewish. Why? Why have the sons of Abraham got back together again? What's going on? Well, it's very, very simple. There is a long game occurring in the Middle East which results in the deaths of hundreds of thousands, the displacements of millions, the pauperisations of tens of millions. That's a little dispute that's been carried on by Iran and our ally, the feudal monarchs in Saudi Arabia, which has been like the good old days when the Russians and the... uh, the good old Communist Party of Russia and the United States of America were at loggerheads. They usually had a proxy war in somebody else's country and destroyed their country. Now, it doesn't matter how many airplanes you've got, as we've seen in Yemen, 
And it doesn't matter how many drones you've got, as we just saw in Iraq. At the end of the day, if you want to rout an enemy, as we've seen in Syria with the Russians and the Syrians, you need people on the ground. People on the ground. And what we've seen in the last week is the further isolation of the Palestinian people by their so-called Arab brothers and sisters. We saw the Egyptian president, who's basically a virtual dictator, support Trump's Palestinian peace plan, in inverted commas. And then we saw, obviously, the feudal monarchs, which we've kept in power for the last six decades, some of the most evil, corrupt people who, you know, are happy to liquefy people who are you know, their own citizens as well as publicly execute them. We've seen them, uh, we've seen them, you know, conduct their little proxy wars in uh, the Middle East, in Yemen and Lebanon and Syria, and the list goes on and on. And then we've seen poor old Benny, Benny Netanyahu in uh, Israel. He's got the problem of, you know, he's facing, well, he's just been indicted on corruption charges and. You know, the Israeli may have a lot of nuclear bombs and planes and things, but doesn't really have a lot of troops on the grounds. So why did they invite President Albor Han, the head of the current interim Sudanese military council, to this little secret meeting, which has hardly been reported well? Sudan has what they need, and that is feet on the ground. It has soldiers, which have been used in Yemen and which will be used after this little pact in other parts of the Middle East to ensure that the corrupt practices of the Saudi Arabian ruling family, I'm not going to use the word ruling family, continues ad finitum, irrespective of whether the price of oil will plummet as the world moves to a non-oil-based economy. And why did your Mosafini, the president of Uganda, host this particular meeting? Mm, must be something in it for them. So it's interesting. It's interesting to see how geopolitics, geographical politics plays out. And it's interesting to see how ordinary people are those who suffer the most. And those who've suffered the most from all this has been the Palestinian people who've been deserted by their Arab brothers and sisters this looks like the Sudanese military is also going to desert the Palestinian people. And more importantly, that their military forces will continue to be used as the uh, frontline troops in any dirty little proxy war that breaks out in the Middle East in the uh, very near future. This is the Anarchist World This Week broadcast across Australia by the Community Radio Network. Now let's look at dirty little wars because we are involved in a dirty little war in this country. 
And I'm not talking about militarily, because oh, well, we've got military presence all over the place, you know. But that's a different story, which I don't want to go into today. But dirty little wars. Now, there is a dirty little war going on in this country. And I did kind of allude to it a few weeks ago. And it's a disgusting little war. And it's a war that's been waged on Social Security beneficiaries by the state. And it's a war that's been waged on low-income earners by the state. And it is quite distressing to see how political parties which represent the interest of that small sector society that own the means of production, distribution, exchange and communication continue to deceive the very people they are exploiting. And nothing highlights this more than the result of the last federal election where we saw people who are exploited by federal government policy, voting in droves for the very people who exploit them. And it is an issue because the, you know, the disgusting little exercise in the uh, National Party, well, I don't call them National Party, the Agribusiness Party, the Agribusiness Party, they ceased being a country party since the death of Blackjack McEwen. They're an agribusiness party. They're a corporate-based party. They're for the coal industry. They're for, you know, the big machinery companies and the big, you know, corporate farms that exist out there which squeeze the life out of everybody else. So agribusiness. Now, the people who've suffered the most in this country over the last two or three decades and are suffering the most today from climate change or the climate emergency are people living in regional and rural Australia. Very simple. The poorest postcodes in this country are in regional Australia. The poorest people live in regional Australia. And they're supposedly represented by the likes of Barnaby Choice, you know, the likes, you know, the agribusiness, the Gina Reinhart uh, acolytes, the so-called National Party, the agribusiness party, who for years has been able to pull the wool over the eyes over rural and regional populations claiming to represent their interests while, you know, kicking them in the face, while spitting in their face, while talking behind their backs, while making deals with their little corporate mates. And the tragedy is the Greens and the Labor Party have never been able to have any traction in these areas and those people who are so dissatisfied look at the current opposition. You've got divided nation and I can understand people drifting to divided nations other than being stomped on and kicked in the face by the agribusiness party masquerading as the national party and then you've got the uh, shooters fishers and farmers party they added farms to their name a few weeks, a few years ago you've got a few seats in the state parliament in New South Wales because there's nobody in this country that currently reflects the interests of the public, reflects the interests of the many, 
It puts the interests of the public before the interests of the corporate sector. That's why in 2015, we formed public interest before corporate interest. And we understand that as an emerging political force, our fortunes doesn't lie in the CBD. The CBD of most of the major capital cities is basically Greens territory. And I don't expect the Green Party will actually ever break out of that little CBD uh, situation they find themselves in because of their policies. I mean, green capitalism isn't a solution to climate change. And I don't expect to be able to influence, to a great degree, those people who live outside the BDD, CBDs or the major capital cities within 15 to 20 kilometres, and most of these people kind of have thrown their support behind the Liberal National Party for some period of time because the Liberal National Party has looked after them. It's looked after people with disposable income by having all this legislation passed in Parliament, which, you know, provides them with franking credits, uh, you know, the ability to buy multiple homes and claim as a tax deduction, the list goes on and on. But there is a large section of Australia, about 70%, that lives beyond 25 kilometres of the CBD of any, any capital city that lives in regional Australia, that lives in rural Australia, that has been left behind, that is not represented, whose interests are represented by nobody. They're not interested, represented by the agribusiness party masquerading as a national party, and their interests aren't actually represented by divided nation, a political party that blames the 1.9 million temporary workers and immigrants for the situation we find ourselves in, but doesn't blame the actual political system that has created this pool of cheap, non-unionised labour. And then who could take the shooters, fishers and farmers party seriously as a national force? So public interest before corporatism was formed in 2015, April 2015, for that very reason. We were trying to attract, we have been trying to attract people in the outer regions of the cities, regional Australia and rural Australia, with little success. Let's be realistic. If there's one thing I am, it's been realistic, with minimal success, but conditions are changing. Things are changing in this world. Climate change is pushing people to in a certain direction. Economic issues are pushing people, you know, in certain directions. There is growing dissatisfaction, not just with the parliamentary system, but with every institution in this country. Let's not forget we had a Banking Royal Commission just 12 months ago. I haven't seen one, one indictment. Not one. Nil. I do know people who suicided because of their interaction with the banks and people whose lives have been ruined because of their interactions with the banks. But nothing, nothing. CEO salaries have continued to rise. Extraordinary. Just extraordinary. So, think about it. 
There's no point complaining, okay? There's no point being miserable. I mean, I don't present this program every week to complain or to be miserable. I like to put a little bit of, you know, fun in it because things are so ridiculous. They are funny. I mean, we live 25 million people living on a continent. We have 700,000 children living in poverty who can't afford to go to a free participate in a free education system because they don't have enough money to buy books or laptops or go on school camps. Come on, give me a break. I mean, 1.9 million temporary workers, one in seven temporary workers who are here basically to de-unionise, de-skill people, immigrants and people born in this country who have got permanent residents or, you know, who live in this country in order to maximise the profits of uh, super corporations. And then we get people like Barnaby Joyce, who should have been kicked out of the electorate of Armidale, you know, years ago, you know, getting an extraordinary uh, majority. But, you know, then we get people in regional Australia voting for the very people, you know, the agribusiness party, the national party, a party that should have died years ago, that should have been buried years ago, because all they do is represent the interests of the corporate sector. Look at Mr Joyce's relationship with Miss Reinhardt. Think about it. So it is time for a new brush, new broom. And if you think nothing ever changes, things change. Human history, the human story, and that's what history is, it's the human story is a history of change. And change comes when people like you and me are willing to take risks. That we're willing to put our head above the parapet. That we're willing to take risks. That we're willing to issue challenges. And if there's one thing I encourage you to do is to join public interest before corporate interest so we can register a political party and cause a little bit of consternation among those people that currently exercise power in this country. They don't care if you go out in the streets in a big demo every few months. They don't care. They don't care when... People like you and me go out in the steps of Parliament House. They don't care. They've got the military on their side. They've got the police force on their side. They've got the legislative framework. They've got the courts on their side. But they do care when you chip at their legitimacy, when you highlight their contempt for you. And that's what they have, is contempt. They are nothing more than the, you know, that the than the hand, the servants of that small section of society that owns them is reduction, distribution, exchange and communication. That's all they are at the end of the day. Real power doesn't lie in Parliament, although getting into Parliament can cause issues for people. So think about it. You can despair. You can lose yourself in social media. You can answer every email you get instantaneously. You can wait for the next one. You can have thousands of friends on your social network or social media. You can just go on and on. So think about it. You do have options. We all have options. It's whether we exercise those options is what is important. And unfortunately, in the great majority of cases, the minutia of everyday existence stops us from exercising those options and taking that step. 
Think about it. You've been listening to The Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia by the Community Radio Network. Want to listen to a podcast? The podcast the program is podcast. You go to freecr.org.au, 3cr.org.au. Want to leave messages? Sometimes oh, I hope to answer most of them. 0439. 395-489-0439-395-489. Hate social media? You can write to me at Post Office Box 20, Parkville 3052. Post Office Box 20, Parkville 3052. Love social media? Go to the YouTube. YouTube presentation, new presentation every week, hopefully, every week. Uh, public interest before corporate interest. Public interest before corporate interest. Twitter stream, a bit slow. I, just, I haven't got the Trump finger these days. I just I don't think much of Twitter, to be honest. It's just people talking amongst themselves. But maybe I'll put in something the next week or two. It's uh, Pibsy, P-I-B-C-I underscore A-U. Facebook page, Joseph Toscano. Come and see what I'm doing. Come and join us. Get involved. It's up to you. Another Facebook page, Defend and Extend Public Housing. Uh, public housing, everybody's business. It is everybody's business. Strong public housing sector, prices come down. It's a little bit that old competition factor. That's right. Yes, we do believe in competition between the public and private sector. You've got a huge private sector and a small public sector, no competition. Very simple. And especially if you're one of those 30% of Australians who rely on Social Security benefits to survive, it's time to organise because you are the kicking boy. You are the kicking girl. We love, those in authority love to marginalise you, hate you, despise you, refuse your services. Try to ring Centrelink and see what it's like. You listen to The Anarchist World this week, broadcast via the Community Radio Network. This program has been streaming live on 3cr.org.au. And don't forget... Public interest before corporate interest, go to their webpage, pipsy.net, pipsy.net. Download the application form to join public interest before corporate interest, info at pipsy.net. Join us. Become a burr under the, under the saddle of the parliamentary beast, which is riding the corporate horse. Thank you once again for listening to The Anarchist World this week on your local community radio station courtesy of the of the um, community radio network this program has been streaming live on 3cr.org.au the program is podcast the podcast you can access the podcast going to 3cr.org.au and all those people have got a ring yes i will get to you the next few days thank you once again for listening to the anarchist world this week on your local community radio station courtesy of the community Radio Network. And if you've listened to the prog- this program for the first time, listen in next week, courtesy of the Community Radio Network on freecr.org.au. Here we go. The satellites arrive. Evil minds that plot destruction. Sorcerer of death's construction. An analysis you'll never hear anywhere else. Anarchist World this week. Australia's sacred cow slaughterhouse. 10am every Wednesday. Listen to the Anarchist World this week for an up-to-date analysis of local, national and international events. Poisoning their
wash my hands. Oh, Lord, You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.